never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that continues It's Impossible yet never-ending quest to find vintage Star Wars toys. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Hey, man. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Star Wars collecting is, like, the most depressing thing. You walk into the Target, and then you go, hmm, nothing. And you walk into the Walmart, and you go, hmm, nothing. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so difficult. But I look every time. Anyway, right on you. <laughs> I'm pretty good. I you did mention vintage Star Wars toys where to be honest, I haven't seen a vintage Star Wars toy in a long time. Like I feel oh. like when I was younger, I'd see them all over the place like at my parents' house, at my friends' houses, at garage sales, but when it comes to those old like 70s and 80s figures from Star Wars, I'd never see those uh, three and three quarters inch figures anywhere, really. <laughs> I know. And, you know, they do have the vintage lines, which I would love to collect those figures, but you can't find them anywhere. The collectors, like everyone's buying them online or pre-ordering and stuff like that. They just, it's like either they don't have enough for the stores or the stores don't get enough or I don't, you know what? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> right. On. Anyway, I will tell you one thing I did get this week is I found, I was able to get my hands on a Xbox series X. Okay. Which, like the PlayStation 5, it is virtually impossible to find, and I was able to get my hands yeah. on it. And <laughs> you want to talk about a $500 um, impulse buy? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Because you buy it when you find it. And uh, the guy didn't want to sell it to me. He's like, that's not supposed to be on the floor. Why is that on the floor? We're supposed to do that as <laughs> online orders only. And I'm like, well, it's on the floor, and I'm going to buy it. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's so weird. And there was a little bit of an argument. I'm like, you don't want to make $500 right now? Yeah. <laughs> you had to call a manager over, and the guy's like, yeah, dude, just sell it to him. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Anyway, um, it's awesome. I like it. It's great. The load times are so fast. Um, nice. What are you playing on it? I mean, I play Elder Scrolls online. Right. Like, exclusively. <laughs> nice. But I have been, like, I have been, like, because a lot of the games have uh, Series X upgrades, so like for the gra for the new graphics cards and stuff. Right. So I have been like slowly like because the upgrades take a little bit of time. Like I have the game, I just I have to do this like the free upgrade. So like I turned on a few games just to see the graphics and stuff, and they look gorgeous. They absolutely look gorgeous. So I you know it's I haven't bought any new games since I got the new system because dude it plays all the games I have and it was five hundred dollars, so I didn't need to spend more. Prices of inflation right now? Are you kidding? <laughs> Anyway, enough, enough about that. How was your week? Uh, it's been good. Um, it's kind of funny you mentioned the uh, the new Xbox because I've actually been playing a ton of uh, my NES Classic, <laughs> which is really out of the blue because I 
haven't had it hooked up for like two years but uh the other day i was playing uh just some random video games with my kid and i was like you know i should see if this thing's hooked up right or if we can get this work in and uh it was like last week i played i was playing some nes classic and then since then it's like every night I just have to play like some old school Mario or Zelda or, you know, they have like Donkey Kong on there and yeah. stuff, but I have to like play some of those games in before going to bed. And what's funny, it's like, you'd think that would be relaxing, but the old school, like arcade style games actually tend to get my blood pumping. <laughs> so then I'm like, Oh crap, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep now, but uh, that's been super fun. Um, and it's kind of cool. Cause the NES Classic and SNES Classic are those things that a lot of people have, but I think they just kind of sit on the shelf and never get used. So it's actually kind of fun to actually yeah. use it for a change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, anyway. Yeah, uh, otherwise my watching and reading is super, super light. Um, I mentioned, Drew, before the show, I haven't had a chance to see Thor Love and Thunder, unfortunately. Um, I was really trying to see it. Originally, I was going to try to see it on Tuesday, but I just wasn't able to work it in my schedule. I still want to see it really bad. And uh, if you do want to bring in light spoilers uh, later on, I'm totally cool with that. But, um, oh, the one thing I did watch, though, which is kind of funny because I haven't seen Thor yet, but I did make it out to the theater this weekend because I went to see uh, I went to see Top Gun Maverick for a second time. <laughs> I which, and that was if you're going to go see one movie this if you're going to see one movie this year, you see Top Gun. Yeah. And it, it was like a planned thing because uh, we want to you see a, and, if, and if you see a second, you see Top Gun again. <laughs> no, so. Absolutely. Well, it was a planned thing because we went with uh, people who hadn't seen it yet. But it was honestly I thought it was crazy because this was the, the weekend that uh, Thor came out and the theater we saw this we saw top gun in was actually packed like i was super surprised but there was a lot of people in there and it was just a great experience and uh you know the first time i saw this movie the crowd was just super quiet and attentive and it's kind of gotten to this point where it almost feels like there's a weird cult following where there's just people like laughing out loud in the movie and kind of um adding like peanut gallery-esque comments during the film but not in a disrespectful way just more of like something happens and then somebody in the audience will be like that was awesome and (laughs) so it's not like it's not irreverent it's just kind of like fun little commentary and banter that I was hearing from the audience but uh in the best way possible and I think go ahead sorry no, no. Go, well, I was oh. just going to say, I just think it's awesome because I can't believe the theater's still packed and this movie's doing so well. And it's just awesome to see how much people are having fun with it, really. But uh, no, what we were going to say there. Well, I was just going to say I wanted to keep earning money because Top Gun Maverick has officially surpassed Titanic's sales. And that's crazy. And on a, on a domestic scale. So the domestic market is completely surpassed Titanic. So that just makes me really happy because it's getting up there. So let's keep it going. Let's and I th- let's I think sing dethrone Avatar, shall we? Like <laughs> and I think um, for like some of our younger listeners who might not have been around, like when t- Titanic came out, it was one of those movies that every single person went to go see. And I kind of feel like Top Gun is on that same level, but Titanic was a movie that every that you would go to see in theaters once for the most part. Yeah. 
And Top Gun Maverick is like a movie that everybody's seeing like two or three times. And it's just amazing. Like (laughs) my wife has actually gone this past weekend was her fourth time seeing the film with just different groups of people. And (laughs) And I asked her, I was like, you've really seen this four times. And she's and her response was, well, it's just not going to be the same at home. And I was like, that's a really good point. Like on the small screen in your living room, it's just not going to be the same experience. So the people I know who have not seen the movie, I've directly (laughs) told them, if you don't see this movie on a big screen, if you missed it on IMAX, that's okay. But if you don't see this movie in a big screen, you're doing the movie a disservice. Yeah, definitely. And it's not not just not yourself. You're doing the movie a disservice. Mm-hmm. And just take out the visuals and how immersive it feels when it it almost feels like you're in the uh, planes with the characters in the movie and just the awesome cinematography. But you're also taking out the, the soundtrack and the sound effects and everything. Just that whole level of sound design mm-hmm. on the awesome like big screen uh, speakers that you're going to be listening to it through. You're taking away that as well. And well, I haven't watched it at home yet. But I was thinking mm-hmm. the same thing I thought about the Batmobile and the new Batman movie. True. Just, just the sound alone. I could, you know, like, hold <laughs> crap. Plus those punch sound effects. Like, those hit so hard. In the I know. I know. As but well, like, so. you lose that when you get home. You're like, mm, my speakers. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, hey. um, yeah, so I've honestly had a pretty busy week, though. So that's literally it for my watching and reading so i don't know where you're at this week so i'll make oh, all right i actually got a my schedule's slammed and i was talking to you prior to the show i am in the middle of three separate D campaigns that i am <laughs> that i am dungeon mastering and i am in photography sessions right now for a next for a short film that i'm shooting Nice. On top of my day job, my schedule is slammed. But Mm -hmm. I found time to watch a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) So first off, off, my kid is starting to ask lots and lots of questions about Stranger Things. And and I said, dude, just watch the show. Because he's been really kind of honestly (laughs) terrified about the Demogorgon. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like he walked in. All right. Season four, the kid with the glasses. What was his name? The one that the second one that died, what was his name? The like. See, that's you. I feel like you bring this up every episode, and I honestly forgot his name shortly okay. after he well, passed away. When, in the show. That's fine. <laughs> when he died, my kid walked in the room at that death scene, and he goes, "Nope," and walked out. <laughs> that's like, awesome. He saw the kid's like arm pop and his leg, and he goes, "Nope," <laughs> and he walked out. Um, so he's been asking enough questions, and I'm like, "Dude, just watch the show. Give it a shot." If you don't like it, I'll I'll stop bugging you. He watched yeah. he was so we watched we watched the first two episodes together. He seems we watched them like it not collectively. It was like we watched the one and he needed a break, and we watched the next one and he needed a break. So I don't know where we're at yet, but it was kind of fun to go back and look at those beginning episodes just because of one how young the kids are, two for the D and D references because of my theory about how it's one big game. Yeah. Um. But I will say the one. Um. The one single most unrealistic thing in stranger things is the size of the table they play dungeons and dragons on in the basement i find it incredibly hard to believe that that table accommodated four players 
a DM stream, the battle map, and all the crazy knickknacks like dice and character sheets and figures and stuff like that that you would need. <laughs> okay, so there's that's really funny because I I'm imagining they're like playing it on a a card table or something like something they really are. small. Like one of those like those little like square card tables. <laughs> see, but I also can see the argument that like. Every other time they've ever shown D and D on TV, it's always ridiculous. Like it's always like a bunch of characters wearing like medieval outfits while like sitting around a table, and like they make it just super nerdy and cringy. So I think at the time it was like refreshing. Like when it first came out, like it was it was refreshing to see Stranger Things play it a little bit more realistically. But that's a really funny critique, to be honest. <laughs> I'm like, I know in my adult game, I know how much space it takes. <laughs> and as a DM, I feel like I'm constantly running out of space to put stuff on my side of the table where I sit. And I don't understand how they handled it on that tiny table in the show. Anyway, that aside. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay, so I have talked a lot about the Orville. And yeah. I'm going to say... I've always said this is a big recommendation. I am officially going to say this is a must-watch show. Okay. Um, yes, they were on Fox for two seasons, so it was following your standard network television rules for shows. And now they're on Hulu, so the rules have changed a little bit. The episodes are a little bit longer than an hour, sometimes like hour, maybe hour ten, not too much longer than that. But they don't feel like a standard episode of television. It feels like a mini movie like it really nice. does it's the way the show is paced it's the way the show is written this is probably some of the most the smartest writing ever in my opinion i seriously think i want to say that this is some of the smartest writing ever it's absolutely insane how good this show gets the reason i bring this up is the most recent episode uh when i say most recent episode there's a new one that dropped today so last week's episode um it's a time travel episode it's called um it's like a something, a, a heart's second chance or something like that. I think that's what the episode's titled. Anyway, I'm going to spoil this a little bit. They deal with time travel in this episode because all sci-fi shows in space eventually do. And but they real they're they're talking about just going 10 seconds at a time, like trying to figure out the mechanics of the time travel and just kind of talk through it. They're like we sent it 10 seconds in the future, 10 seconds in the past, that kind of thing. And the one guy makes a joke, can you send that sandwich three months into the future? And he's like, why? And he goes, because in three months, it's going to be a nice surprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just going to appear and I'm going to go sweet. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's kind of funny, right? Well, there's a battle situation that happens. And in during the battle, one of the characters gets blasted th from an explosion into the time machine and he gets sent back in time 400 years, which puts him in the 21st century 400 years. And okay. they have a heavy conversation. They find out that he eventually died because they look into historical records because they weren't because they didn't know what happened to him. And then they look it up and like, oh, my God, he died in this year, blah, blah, blah. So they have this conversation about how um, they need to go back and get him because he understands that so-called prime directive where you don't interfere mm -hmm. and. He sh he understands that it's a rule for like their their version of Starfleet or they call it the Union. So a Union rule um, 
he knows he's not supposed to interfere with the timeline or alter things, that kind of stuff. And he, so they're like, we got to go back and get him. So they fix the time machine. They fix the ship well enough to make the jump back, but they missed the mark and they missed the mark by like 10 years. So he's been on earth alone for 10 years. Well, when they find him, he's moved on and he has a family and he's got to be yeah. married, has a kid and then one on the way. And he doesn't want to go back. And they get into these arguments about how he's messed with the timeline and he's created a universe that doesn't ex- that should not exist. Yeah. And he's messed with the multiverse. Like, you don't understand the severity of what you've done. And he goes, no, you don't understand. I waited in a cabin in the woods for three years until I realized you guys weren't coming for me. So he hung on as long as he could mentally take it and then went out looking to start his life over. Yeah, and that and that was just like, oh, my God, it was like heartbreaking to watch them go. Well, we're just going to have to do another time jump and get the mark correct and get you from when you landed. And he's freaking out. His wife's like now knows the truth. And she's like, what's going to happen? She's like, so we're not going to exist. Our family's not going to exist. All that stuff is kind of heartbreaking to watch. But then they're like, we have to do this. You don't understand what the consequences of creating this universe did. So they jump back even further and get him. They pick him up. And they explain to him what happened. And he goes, I'm so glad you did that. That's got to be one of the hardest things you've ever done. I can't thank you enough. Blah, blah, blah. Like, it, like, it's a whole different demeanor. It's a different character in a way. Yeah. But when you look at the paradoxical aspect of what they were doing, oh, my God, it was incredible writing. This show is a must watch what they're doing with the show. It is so incredible. Um, there's some goofiness in the first two seasons because it's Seth MacFarlane, but I feel like they've found their legs and they're being a little more serious. So the jokes are there, but they're they're not as heavy handed as they were in the first two seasons. You know what I mean? So I'm telling you, watch the show. The special effects are great. The cinema, the CGI is great for a television show. It's there's some money behind this and it's awesome. So I yeah. I think it's I, well, I've like talked to, to the show I, up a lot. I'm just saying this is a must watch now and I'll stop talking about the Orville unless it's amazing. And I have no, to it's, in, but. it's all good. Cause <laughs> I feel like I really just need to watch this. And I love the idea that this is like, this is Seth MacFarlane creating like the show started out as like a goofy comedy show. And like, I've heard people really praise it saying it's like the best space sci-fi thing on TV right now. And I just love the concept that it's like, yeah, this started out as a comedy, but now the Orville has come like become like, no, we're just going to be the benchmark. Like we're going to do this better than everybody else. <laughs> like, I just think right. that sounds amazing. So, right. Um, just, in terms of like in terms of the time travel, it was mind blowing to get it from that perspective because you think you've seen everything, and then you then they start talking about how like well you've created a timeline that shouldn't exist because you tampered, and you're just like yeah oh my god and your brain cracks and you know? <laughs> so it sounds like pretty some pretty high concept stuff which again is like pretty exciting out of a show that started off so goofy so yeah um I'm not really watching anything now, so I might jump on the Orville, to be honest. That okay, sounds cool. awesome. Well, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy, because it's great. Um, okay, let's talk about Thor. <laughs> okay. So, Thor. Um, this is going to kind of, you know what, let's save Thor for last, because Thor is going to heavily go into um, news. Okay. Um, yeah, Thor is going to heavily go into news based on what I have in front. Of For a second, I thought you were going to say you didn't want to talk about it at all or something, and I was like, I don't know, I was getting weird vibes from that. But keep going. <laughs> um, so Lord of the Rings trailer, the new one. Yeah, 
for Amazon's Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power. Um, your first impressions of the trailer, what do you think? I think, well, okay, so the trailer looks like kind of what I've expected, which is that it looks gorgeous. Like, this is a huge, massive budget show, and uh, it looks great. Like, the environments all look like really really cool like really good like movie level they as you get later into the trailer it has a lot of just the action scenes look awesome like there's some really cool cinematography and some of the action is amazing um i've honestly heard one thing is I've, I've seen like online, there's a lot of people like a lot of like really hardcore uh, Tolkien fans who have complained that I guess supposedly the show messes a lot with the timeline of things. And like I've heard they're like trying to cram in a lot of things into the show and stuff. I'm honestly not super familiar with Tolkien lore outside of The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So to me. It just looks really cool and I'm excited, but uh, I do think some of those criticisms are interesting. But like I said, I'm kind of probably not the best person to judge it on a lore standpoint. And like I said, I mean, I feel like the trailer doesn't give us a lot of story. It kind of just shows us a lot of things that look really gorgeous. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? So compared to the first trailer we saw during the Super Bowl. I actually have a better idea what I'm looking at, finally. <laughs> nice, uh, yeah. Because the Super Bowl trailer left for a lack of wanting. You're just like, well, it looks cool. I don't know what I'm looking at, but it does yeah. look cool. Um, so that being said, um, I, I have a better idea what I'm looking at. I thought it was awesome to see young Gladriel because um, it's a familiar character. And I was like, okay, at least there's one familiar character that I get. And then one of the dwarves yeah. like, oh, that guy. Okay, you know, so... I, I was appreciative of that. I don't I am not familiar enough with Tolkien lore to know about timeline messing. Um, so ultimately, it looks cool and I'm excited. My criticism right now, and this is just off the trailer, is that it looks too clean. Um, OK, everything looks too pristine. There's no grit. You know how Star Wars looks real because they made it gritty. Yes. Like they made it look like a lived in world and Game of Thrones looks like a lived in world. This looks too pristine and too clean. And there's no like and everyone's clothes look perfect. And like, that's that's my only criticism. Now, this is what I'm getting off of a trailer. So my criticism is like a grain of salt at this point because I haven't seen a full episode and I could be very wrong. Everything's out of context right now because it's a trailer. So I mean, I think that the um the original like the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films have a lot of gritty parts to them, like they for do. sure. They and do. the the Hobbit, I don't know that those movies were that gritty. Like when you look back on them, I think um, they might have fallen into the kind of the more pristine area that you were talking there about. There there's parts of it that are, and there's parts of it that very much are not uh pristine and clean they are gritty like the lord of the rings so um and i say that with a fresh take in terms of i revisited them fairly recently like uh early early spring i revisited i was just like i haven't watched these in a while i feel like i should revisit these movies so um that's why i say that like i there is a little more grit than i remember from my first viewing so okay 
Nice. Um, so yeah, uh, Lord of the Rings looks cool. That's really all I got. It's a trailer. Check it out um, because that's, I mean, there's not much to say right now because, like I said, I have a better idea what I'm looking at. I have a better idea of, like, characters and places and a general consensus of what the story is supposed to be now. <laughs> so it's not just like, right. what am I staring at? So, yeah, um, that's what I got. And then before we talk about Thor, we have one thing uh, this week. So we record on Thursdays, and we always say tomorrow is Friday, July 15th. The Gray Man drops on Netflix. Um, oh, wild. <laughs> uh, Chris Evans, uh, Ryan Gosling, Ana de Armas, Russo Brothers directing. I'm really excited for this because the Russo Brothers, we all know from Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, all the Captain America movies. You know what I mean? They they know what they're doing. So to see them do an action movie that's not the capes and superheroes and to see them do like a CIA action film, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. There's some early reviews saying it's just a mediocre action film, but I just wonder if people are looking at it through maybe the wrong prism. Um, the trailer looks great. I'm excited. Drops tomorrow. I'll have a review for you next week because I plan on watching it. So, yeah, I'll have to check it out as well. And I think it's one of those things if you're holding it up against Endgame or whatever, like it's a totally different beast. So yeah, it's kind I of, think, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people right now when they shit on movies i feel like they're holding it up against like a prism because we're dealing with such franchises and they're not looking at movies by themselves really as much as maybe they should like treat each movie as its own thing because there's some original stuff out there like bullet train is an original thing it looks really cool i'm pretty sure i'm gonna go to the theater and see it because it just looks cool you know so I, that's that's why I say that, like, it's an original. It's not a franchise. It's probably a one-and-done movie, but it looks like it's going to be a ton of fun. So, and I think people need to kind of look at movies in that prism in a way. Look, at the end of the day, I just like movies, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, speaking of liking How movies, dare you? <laughs> speaking of liking movies, let's talk about Thor 4. Awesome. I can't oh. wait to hear your review. <laughs> this movie... Okay. I don't how where do I start? Um overall I I enjoyed the movie. But it's a Marvel movie. In the most Marvel sense a Marvel movie could be. It's also a Taika Waititi film in the most Taika Waititi way a Taika Waititi movie could be. <laughs> okay. Um and the reason I say that is Thor Ragnarok was a really good deconstruction of the character Thor. And it was serious Marvel, serious dark Thor, the way we needed that comic book to be. But it was, but it added the Taika Waititi brilliance of this, of the silly to it. Do you know what I mean? It was a perfect balance. This one felt just a tad too silly. Okay. (laughs) And it didn't feel the same balance as a Thor Ragnarok. And I was trying to, and I'm going to, the reason I'm comparing it to Ragnarok is because I feel like Ragnarok was a direct departure from the, from Thor one and Thor two. Because Thor one and Thor two had a specific set in their ways, kind of a thing you do with Thor. And then Taika Waititi said, no, we could do Thor like this and make him really fun and epic. 
which he did. And then I have to compare it to Thor Ragnarok, and I'm, this is honestly the reason. In a world where Star Wars is going back to basics and doing practical effects, and Top Gun was 100% practical effects, I walked into Thor and got almost 100% computer-generated environments. <laughs> yeah. And I felt, honestly, because of the lack of practical, I felt very kind of underwhelmed. The movie, yeah. again, I enjoyed, but I felt underwhelmed just because of that. Um, it was really great seeing the Natalie Portman stuff, knowing the comic books and like knowing the Lady Thor thing. And then they they actually say Lady Thor in dialogue. And I was like, yes. And I was excited that that was in there just because I read the comic books. Um, the... Uh, and then the movie, um, it was really – Christian Bale was awesome. Like, he's probably <laughs> my favorite part of the movie. But he, but Christian Bale even had, like, a couple silly moments. And you're just like, you need to be the hardcore villain that keeps this grounded, <laughs> you know? But the yeah. problem is, is I feel like this was, a, this was a movie to kind of rebuild Thor because we saw the deconstruction of Thor. And then we saw Thor go through grief with what happened to Asgard. And then we, now we're seeing Thor kind of rebuild himself. But I feel like at the end of the movie, we don't have a direction for Thor. We're going to get more because spoilers at the end of the credits, it says Thor will return. Okay. Nice. Okay. So we're going to get more, (laughs) but I feel like it's, we don't know at all, (laughs) like what we're doing with Thor, which brings me to the point that Marvel where is it? This, Like I said, this translates into news, so this is going to kind of bounce around a little bit. Um, Marvel is officially, from beginning to end, including all the television shows, is officially 100 hours long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it doesn't seem that long, though, when you really 20, think about it. 29 movies, 7 Disney Plus shows, 100 hours long. Now, on top of that, phase four from Endgame, from where Endgame leaves off to th- the end of Thor 4, we have 55 hours of content. Well, that's because they brought in the shows. True. That are pretty much all phase True. four, I think, right? But we have 55 hours of content, and we still don't know what the ultimate goal of phase four is. <laughs> you got to remember, phase one led up to <laughs> Avengers. And Avengers led to Age of Ultron, and we were like, oh my god, Ultron, we're working towards that? Awesome. And you get to Ultron, and you're like, that's cool. But even though we have Thanos in the background, because they teased Thanos, and then after Ultron, we're building to Thanos. Yeah. So we had a point. We are 55 hours into Phase 4, and we still don't know where we're going. So we've talked about, on the show, we've talked about that Kevin Feige uh, quote where he said the MCU doesn't really have a plan. Like they let their directors tell the stories they want and they just go from there. And I feel like every week I'm back and forth on whether I feel like they have a plan or they don't. (laughs) You're talking about this right now. It's like, maybe they don't have a big (laughs) plan this time, but I I, I do feel like they have to have an outline. They have to have 
some villain they're working towards, but well, it is weird that we're this far in and they don't have you, that. That's not that apparent. So you and you're watching and reading. You did not bring up Miss Marvel, which means you haven't watched Miss Marvel. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet either. <laughs> and I'm going to say this. I'm not talking about Miss Marvel tonight on purpose because I really want to save my final review of those episodes for when you catch up. And the reason I say this is because the end of Miss Marvel was incredibly surprising. Okay. Okay, and it's going to feel like a Nickelodeon show leading up to that ending, but that ending is a big surprise. So, okay, wild. Uh, okay. That's all that's all leave it at that for now. So if you haven't watched Miss Marvel, catch up. We'll talk heavily about that once Peter catches up because I don't I really don't want to <laughs> I really don't want to spoil that. But Marvel needs to get to the point with phase four quickly because I don't because they really don't want them to lose momentum with viewers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm just I just hope so. Um, I just hope they have a plan there um, in the realm of plans. Um, Captain America four has finally landed a director, um, Julius Onoff, if I'm saying his last name correctly. Um, he is best known for doing the Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, okay. Um, so he's going to be directing Captain America 4, which is great news to hear that that's still moving forward. Um, the other one to bring up, um, we're going to get back to Thor in a sec, because I have a couple things to say about Thor on top of that. Um, where is it? Um, Alden Ehrenreich, um, from, who played Han Solo in the Solo, yeah. in the movie Solo. He um, has joined the Marvel Universe. I don't bring up casting too much because a lot of times, unless it's controversial, you're just like, yeah. okay, well, that's great that he's in it. We just got to wait to see what's going to happen. Um, but he's joining Marvel's Ironheart, which that's a show we haven't heard about in a really long time. Yeah. So it's really good to hear that that's still moving forward. So, um, okay. so, I, so he'll be in there. Um, where was I? Uh, yes. Okay. Thor. Um, Taika Waititi hates director's cuts. Um, he said he will never release a director's cut of Thor Love and Thunder because they suck. He's not a fan of filmmakers releasing lengthy vision versions of their films and admits some directors need to be controlled sometimes, which is why fans will never see his four and a half hour long cut. Um, the scenes would have included Jeff Goldblum, Peter Dinklage and Lena Headey, which Taika Waititi has no interested interest in releasing. Uh, there might be a couple of deleted scenes, but as I always say, a scene is deleted because it's not good enough to be in the film. Um, it's an interesting take. However, I'm going to tell you right now, if you put Jeff Goldblum, Peter Dinklage, and Lena Headey in the Thor movie, I want to see it. Because we, yeah, know who Jeff Goldblum play, we know who Jeff Goldblum plays. We know who um, Peter Dinklage was. It would be really nice to see who Lena Headey was, but so, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I think it is like there is something refreshing about how much of a uh, team player he's being there and how he's like, if the studio or the producers or whoever want like certain parts of the movie taken out, like he's willing to bend to that will. And he's he's willing to say like the the final theatrical version is his final vision as well. So there is something ref uh, refreshing about that, but also at the same time, I love director's cuts, like especially when you love a movie enough, it is really awesome to see those extra scenes that the director just had to cut out and stuff like that, you know? Agreed. Uh, the perfect example is the Snyder cut. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Followed by Batman, Superman, uh, Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. Just saying. Um, yep. <laughs> anyway, um, back to Thor real quick, and then we'll move on. Um, when you watch Thor, you're going to be surprised to see two screaming goats. Um, and they are play a very heavy part in the movie. Um, and when I say heavy part in the movie, you're going to be surprised how much they're in the movie. And this part of why I mentioned that there's a little too much silly in the movie, in my opinion. <laughs> um, as a quick behind the scenes, Taika Waititi told Insider that the screaming goats come from a, uh, from Lo- Thor Love and Thunder were inspired by the comics and the iconic Taylor Swift meme. Um, <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. So, right? so if, you, if you don't remember, there was a Taylor Swift song that had screaming goats. Taika Waititi didn't know it existed until a crew member showed him, and he made them screaming goats. That's awesome. So it's it's the song didn't have screaming goats. It's just Taylor Swift sounded like she was screaming a high pitch, and then somebody made the YouTube video where they yep. spliced in the goats screaming at those parts, which was awesome. So Correct. Um, so the goats, and I guarantee, <laughs> I don't know if it's Taylor Swift's scream, but I guarantee that it's probably Taika Waititi screaming and they just like he screamed into the microphone a bunch and they used it for the goats. Uh, <laughs> like when you listen to it, you're going to be like, that's totally Taika Waititi. Do, do they play that Taylor Swift song in the movie? No. They OK, because I know this. this <laughs> the soundtrack, you know how Guardians of the Galaxy has that amazing soundtrack? Yeah. I feel like that has become and this is going to sound really negative, but. Guardians of the Galaxy, and then the first Suicide Squad movie, and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and then Thor Ragnarok had the Van Halen song, and now Thor Love and Thunder is like almost a love letter to Guns N' Roses because it's a lot of those songs. It's almost like let's use old music to make it sound cool when that's not, you don't necessarily need that. Sometimes the score will do just fine. I was really hoping for a synth score, just kind of like Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. You take out the Van Halen stuff, that synth score that they put in Ragnarok was awesome. So, Uh, yeah, Ragnarok, it's really the one, um, or wasn't it uh, Led Zeppelin song? Wasn't it? um, Oh, it was the immigrant song. Yes, sorry, it was Led Zeppelin, not Van Halen, my bad. No, it's it's all good. I, I didn't realize until I started saying it, but it's it's really that one song. And then the rest is like this really cool synthwave stuff going on. Yeah. And I feel like I do agree with you because you could make the argument like if you go back to the very first Iron Man movie uh, dur- during that movie, Tony Stark is listening to Black Sabbath and ACDC mm-hmm. and suicidal tendencies and all these old like heavy like metal or hard rock bands. So you could say like, it kind of goes back to that, but it made, it made sense for his character. And in Guardian, guardians of the galaxy, it made sense for star star Lord's character to have this mixtape with all these retro songs. But I agree with you. You don't have to do this for every single superhero movie. Oh, you know, <laughs> I know, I know you don't, and you don't need to do it for every movie in general. And I think that's, that's becoming a bit of a trope that I think people need to try to break their minds up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to do that. So, I mean, it was cool. Like, here's the thing. The first, one of the first battle sequences in the movie, there's an ACDC song playing and you're like, yeah, I'm in. This is great. It's what, it's right what you want right away. But at the same time, it 
kind of kicks off a trend that becomes, like I said, basically an ACDC love letter <laughs> so, for the amount of songs that are in the movie. Um, Thor um, is having uh, um, issues in other countries where they've had to ban the movie because of protesting. Um where it's not because the movie's bad, it's because people have a problem with the Thor butt scene. I don't oh. know. I don't know why. Like in the trailer, it's blurred out, but when you watch the movie, it is not blurred out. Right. Okay. So the Thor butt scene, that's causing controversy. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder is supposed to represent have um, some LGBTQ. Uh, representation so people are complaining about the representation and some people are complaining that there's not enough representation um like it's it's all over the board um it's right now it's being banned in malaysia and a couple other countries and you're just like guys just it's a a marvel movie man just watch it (laughs) yeah like come on bigger picture just you know don't worry about that don't worry about the political stuff just go and enjoy a cool story because um, at the end of the day, even though I have little nitpicky stuff in negative to say about the movie, at the end of the day, I did enjoy the movie. I had fun at the theater. I laughed at parts. I thought some real parts were really cool. Christian Bale's character was awesome. Probably one of the most menacing villains Marvel has ever had, and it's awesome. That's awesome. You know, so come on. Um, yeah, come on. And I will say that DC has a better Hercules. I'm sorry, a better Zeus than uh marvel does and fight me on that because holy cow now you're talking about the movies or the comics i'm talking about the movie i'm talking about the movies the dcu when you see zeus and and justice league and you compare (laughs) them to the russell crowe zeus you get in thor rag and thor love and thunder fight me on that dude uh the dc (laughs) zeus could take out the marvel zeus any day of the week Oh, I, I totally, I mean, I've only seen the trailer still, but I could totally see that. So, okay. Speaking of Christian Bale and moving on. So we're not too long on this uh, Thor thing. Anyway, look, honestly, go see Thor formula, formulate your own opinions. I was underwhelmed, but I honestly think I had so like the last movie I saw in the theater was Top Gun and I'm going back to sit in the theater and I'm ready to go. And I'm like, it's all CG. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. I will say that every time I did think that there was a massive plot hole in the movie, they covered their butts and they fixed the plot hole. Oh, that's good. It was literally and it was literally the way the story was told. So I was like, hold on. Like my brain was going, wait. And then they covered it. And I was like, oh, that was clever how they did that. And then I was like, wait. And then they covered it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're reminding me of um, I don't know if you've ever watched the Shaun of the Dead uh, special features. But uh, in Shaun of the Dead, there's like four or five like plot holes that you don't notice while you're watching a movie because you're having so much fun. But if you actually go back and think about it, there's here and there like there's a character who will go missing and then come back in at just the right time. And uh, there's a couple plot holes like that. But on the Shaun of the Dead DVD, there's actually a special feature that explains all the plot holes from the film. <laughs> they're like, it actually, it's just kind of like a really quick, just comedic, like, well, actually at this moment, this is what was happening, you know, elsewhere. And like, it's kind of a brilliant thing. Cause it's, That's, I don't know if that many people have even watched that special feature, but I thought I it was a really clever thing. So. Now I want to, now I want to yeah. watch it again with that special feature. <laughs> Knowing that I'm watching it again. Sean yeah. the Dead. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. 
Um, Christian Bale right now is currently in talks to join the Star Wars universe. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's I'm gonna, awesome. And I mean, you, I laugh, but that's awesome. I'll tell you right now that it is a rumor. Um, but it comes, this comes from giant freaking robot and they've, they're pretty on par, um, with some of their stuff. But Christian Bale right now is from what we understand in talks to play star killer which if you know your star wars history star killer is the original last name of luke skywalker and then they chose yeah. skywalker for um the movie so star killer has been that thing that kind of sits in the background and then what they did was is they used star killer as a code name for the for the character galen merrick from the video game star wars force unleashed Okay, yeah. Christian Bale is in talks to play Galen Merrick or Starkiller in a live action something for Disney, whether it be a movie or a television show. Um, I think this is amazing. I think Christian Bale is a great choice, and I would love to see Starkiller live action. My criticism of this is that Starkiller was voiced by Sam Witwer for the video game. Who Sam, would be a great casting. Who would be a great casting yeah. if you play the video game. The character was modeled after Sam Witwer, so he looks like Sam Witwer. And Sam Witwer, aside from being a voice actor, is a live-action actor. Yeah. So this comes back to my Ahsoka Tano thing. Why don't you get the <laughs> dude who actually plays the character to play the character? Christian Bale would be awesome. Sam Witwer would be probably better. But my guess is is this might roll down to they're choosing Christian Bale because of an age thing. Um. See, that's interesting because I thought, I mean, I've only kind of seen The Force Unleashed played a couple times. I don't know a ton about it, but I thought that character was actually younger than uh, Christian right. Bale. Would be. Right, but if they tie this at all into what's going on in the Ahsoka Mandalorian okay, fair arc, enough. there's enough years that have passed that they might have to have him be an older version of the character. And I could kind of see where Christian Bale could be like an older version of Sam Witwer, to be honest. Sure. So that's I think it's interesting. I think it's awesome, but I think you have really good points about that. Um, I the reason I laughed when you brought this up is as awesome as this is and how great, like um, how amazing of an actor Christian Bale is. I do think when it comes to superhero movies and Star Wars, they're really running into this issue where every sci fi or superhero movie that comes out has like the same actors in it. Like, you know, Christian Bale was Batman and now he is Gore yep. the God Killer and now he's going to be in Star Wars. And you see a number of other actors that DC and Marvel is sharing around and now Alden Ehrenreich's going to be in Marvel. And it's kind of like I'm just thinking there's probably a ton of like undiscovered talent out there that could be in these movies. And not that like I don't like any of these actors, but it's like it sometimes helps to suspend disbelief when you see a you know, a new actor that you have no idea who they are in a role as opposed to, oh, now it's Ben Affleck playing this character, you know, and you just kind of see that as their larger than life celebrity persona. Uh, you know good, what I mean? It's a good point, because that's one of the things that made um, Star Wars a big thing, because almost all the characters, all the actors were almost all no name actors. They yeah, were, absolutely. They were not household household names until the movie came out. So maybe we should look at some of that young talent that's trying to make it in the world. Um, yeah, um, since you brought up Christian Bale being Batman, um, it just made me think of Thor again, because 
um, Batman Returns 30 years ago, uh, the villain's big plot was to kill children um, in the Batman movie. And then in this movie, the actor who played Batman's big plot is to kill children. Um, <laughs> so okay. I thought I thought that was really kind of a bizarre coincidence. And both movies have a hot, me- hot uh, happy meal attached to them. So, you know, there you go. Um, <laughs> Those are the Thor love and thunder happy meals to bring it into like a lighter note are actually pretty cool. Uh, my son <laughs> has a Groot one and he just got the Thor one uh, the other day. So I, th- I thought that was pretty awesome. So, well, OK. So, Miles Teller confirms he's in talks with Tom Cruise about a possible Top Gun 3. I heard about this. Um, I don't have a lot to say other than be responsible. Yeah. Because we saw what it meant to be responsible to the original Top Gun. Be responsible for this. Don't go for a money grab. Don't franchise it if it doesn't need to be franchised. Here's the thing. I'm going to be there. If you guys are even going to come close to turning out what you turned out, I'm going to go see Jets. But be responsible with your story and don't rush it. And that's the only advice I have. And I I can't be the only, like, film person out there screaming at you going, be responsible. It's Um, it's hard not to be skeptical about this because Top Gun Maverick was so perfect. It was so good. And it's just... You don't want to see them ruin a good thing or give us too much of a good thing. But really what I think it comes down to is like Tom Cruise has to just keep doing what he's been doing for years now at the same level. Like he needs to put as much care and effort into this next Top Gun movie as he has with the Mission Impossible franchise. And like as long as they continue to handle this from like this you know story storyline special effects like all aspects as long as they put the same amount of effort and love and care into this next top gun movie i think it will turn out amazing but they just really have to keep that focus and again like not do this as a money grab but do it because you have a story that needs to be told you know what i mean yeah and i agree and that is very very well said um so, yeah, one more story, and then we can talk the news. Um, not, not talk the news, we can talk the list. Uh, <laughs> right on. One more story for the news. Um, Nintendo buys an animation studio. Um, Nintendo has just purchased Dynamo Pictures, a visual production company based in Tokyo that focuses on CG animation and motion capture. They're going to change the name to Nintendo Pictures and make movies. Cool. Um, so in my brain, I'm thinking to myself, awesome, we could truly get the uh, Legend of Zelda movie we've been waiting for. We could get the Metroid movie. That'd be cool. Yeah. Why don't you do, it? Why don't you do a Double Dragon film? That would be cool. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to get an Animal Crossing and a Pokemon film. But there's some cool stuff we could do here. Um, <laughs> right I, checked, I, I did not recognize Dynamo Pictures off the top of my head, so I looked them up. Um they did uh, Dragon uh, Dragon Ball Super, uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero. They did Netflix's Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. They did the Kingsglaive movie, uh, Kingsglaive Final Fantasy 15 movie, which was fantastic, by the way. So they have some cool stuff under their belt. So I'm down to see what this turns out. So good for Nintendo. Let's see what you got. You know. Sweet. 
yeah yeah that, that sounds awesome i don't have much to say it's just i think it's really exciting and like you said like legend of zelda and metroid both of those sound really awesome if they do a movie based on either of those um i will definitely be there to see a mario movie animal crossing i don't know how they turn that into a film but uh i guess we'll see <laughs> what they've got but overall i just think this is an exciting story so <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well yeah they'll they'll find a way to turn it into something um Okay, you ready to talk about tonight's list, man? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool, let's talk about tonight's list and um, roll the thing. I uh, I'm keep subtracting minutes from the time because we had such a later start than I normally do for, like, where we're at. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Quick pause. Okay, P- Now for the top five. Peter, this was your list, so why don't you explain it, and I'll explain how I got it wrong and did it completely backwards. I don't know if you can. I kind of, (laughs) I put put some limits on myself for this list, but essentially this is a list I thought of, I thought of while while, uh, Moon Knight was coming out, and I was watching that show, and I was like, it'd be kind of cool to talk about our favorite God characters in pop culture. And I realized that, you know, when I first thought of, thought of it, I was like, you know, there's not enough characters who are gods to really get a big pool, you know, to pull from. But then, you know, Thor and love and thunder came around and I was like, Oh no, this is actually still relevant. And the more I thought of it, there actually is a lot of different places you go. You can go with this one, especially if you bring in uh, fictional gods like uh, the characters, you know, like different deity deities from like Dungeons and Dragons and comic book universes. And there's really a lot of different directions. So I thought this would be a pretty fun list to go through. But uh, yeah, what did you uh, struggle with with this one, Drew? <laughs> well, first off, you just said pop culture. So I... Oh. I thought you meant in TV and film. So I stuck to TV and film. <laughs> oh, okay. That's interesting. I did not do that. So, <laughs> so I stuck to TV and film, and now I feel stupid because I could have had a completely different list because now you're like, you could bring in the D&D deities. Do you know how many deities there are in Dungeons & Dragons? <laughs> well, to be fair, I, I could have had, had a field day. My whole list would have been Dungeons & Dragons characters. Oh, I'm right. sorry. Um, well, well I, did, I did mention D&D last episode when I was talking about and it. So. I missed it and wasn't paying attention. <laughs> um... I so here's how I tackled the list. I did my absolute best to not talk about Marvel or DC comic book <laughs> gods. We have such a we're gonna have such a different list. This okay. is hilarious. I was very specific about that when I was doing this. I'm like, we're not I'm not gonna do superhero gods because they're not technically superhero gods. I feel like that's a whole nother niche version of that's that. true. Like, that's, let's that's focus fair. on let's focus on the gods. <sighs> are let's focus on the deities deities for what they are and instead of focusing on the deities i kept pulling up movies going no the whole thing like the whole like, <laughs> you know i mean yeah it might focus on one thing but the whole thing like so some of mine are just straight movies and okay just covering specific stuff so 
I feel like I did my whole list wrong, but I interpreted it a specific way. So there. <laughs> I just um, think it's funny that we're going to have vastly different lists with everything. Yeah, we're going to have, so. we're gonna have to revisit. Um, well, this is a list we may have to revisit in the future. We'll see. Um, I do have two honorable mentions. So um, I don't know about you. I was surprised I had two honorable mentions, but I have two. I have two as well. So. Okay, so my first one, I'm going to go with the, this is a movie in general. Um, like I said, I have a lot of just straight movies. So my first one is the movie Moana. Oh, good call. Uh, good call. I don't know a lot about Hawaiian gods, and I've and, and before I saw that movie, I didn't, I wasn't really familiar with any of their deities. But in terms of representation and explaining it and making me excited and very interested in their story, I thought the movie did really, really well. Um and yeah, so I don't like I said, I don't know enough about them to really dive deep. So that's why it stays in his honorable mention. But it was definitely worth bringing up. So and it's a great movie. So, so back when we were doing our Disney episodes, um, I want to say that Mary said that. Uh, I don't know. She seemed Mary to like know yeah. a little like she, she. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, she seemed to know like a little bit about that and like that they actually did some cool stuff when you compare it to like when you compare Moana to. Uh, the actual lore that it comes from. So that's actually kind of an interesting thing to uh, think about, but uh, overall, yeah, good call with, uh, yeah, with that, uh, that pick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what's your first one? Yeah. So my first one, um, I actually went with Cth- Cthulhu, um, the, uh, you know, the deity created by HP Lovecraft, um, this big, sort big of tentacles. Yeah, exactly. Like this, like ancient deity, monster thing that like lives in the ocean and i think is from space and this one made an honorable mention because as you might be able to tell i don't know a ton about this character but it is something that like i've never read much lovecraft but i've read like different comics and other stories kind of inspired by lovecraft and i think it's like a fascinating uh I think Cthulhu is like really fascinating, like some of the lore and some of the ideas behind it. But I just I don't know enough about this one to actually put it on my top five. But I did think that this I do think this one is really cool when it comes to uh, conceptually as well as just aesthetically like he just looks so badass. So, yeah, that's pretty much why this one made a pick for me. Nice. Cthulhu is I've never, I haven't read a lot of Lovecraft either. I've I've read little, but I haven't read a ton. And uh, with Lovecraft specifically, one of the, like the thing about Cthulhu is the artwork is fascinating to look at. It's always gorgeous artwork and it's always terrifying artwork, but it's, it's just fascinating to look at. So um, the whole idea of it is really cool. The, like the world destroyer that Cthulhu is, but um the uh, that's that's like how i kind of draw the line on that one i just it's gorgeous so but yeah definitely um all right so my second honorable mention is monty python and the holy grails version of god Um, (laughs) that's such a good call (laughs) specifically because i didn't think of that at all specifically because it's funny that's it it's just he's like don't grovel i hate it when people grovel you know no it's it's funny it's funny it's hilarious voice acting but it also has that classic sort of like collage looking monty python animation to it so that's a that's a really good call that's really funny (laughs) anyway what's your second honorable mention 
Yeah, my next one, I actually went with uh, Trigon from uh, DC Comics. Uh, Raisin, or Raisin, (laughs) Raven's uh, father and kind of the uh, overlord of Azeroth, or however you want to phrase it. But I just, I love this character from a design standpoint. I think you have a giant evil demon character, and I think they really figured out a really unique way to make this character look like kind of how he has the multiple eyes and the antlers. I think he has a really unique aesthetic for a demon, but I've also, I also just really love uh, his relationship with Raven and how a lot of that stuff plays out in the different uh, Teen Titans uh, comics and TV shows and stuff. I think it's a really interesting kind of duality to their relationship that I've always thought was uh, pretty captivating. So um, I don't know if I have too much to say else, but I just thought this was a really cool one I had to pick. So yeah, good call. And I will totally agree with you on this one. Uh, The, the Raven Trigon dynamic and then um, his ultimate goal versus her trying to shut her father down from destroying the world. And, you know, like it's a really cool, it's a really cool thing in general. Like it's a, it's a really fun story and he's got a really cool design to him. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Okay. Um, first actual picks of the night. So I don't, this is going to be a quick one. This first one for me is going to be a pick one or a quick one. And uh, it's just because we've talked about the movie before, but it's Disney's Hercules. Um, the, in Hercules, Disney's Hercules, they just have a really good representation of the gods in general in terms of Greek yeah. mythology, Zeus, Hercules, you know, Hades, like all of them. It's it's a really good representation. They kind of cover a lot of ground. They cover a lot of information. Um, so you, just in the realm of mythology itself. Um, and it's a really good movie. So, yeah, that's why I said it's a quick review, but it's a quick pick because it covers a lot of ground when you're talking about gods in film. So. Yeah, no, that's a good call. And there's a lot of cool, there's a lot of cool when it comes to character design and representation of different gods in that movie. Uh, that's really awesome. This one definitely made my short list, but um, not my final list, but I definitely think it's a good call. So, yeah. Cool. All right. What do you got? So this is into my actual picks, right? Um, I went with, uh, okay, so this is, I'll get my other DC pick out of the way, but I went with Darkseid, who is kind of weird because when I think of Darkseid, I don't necessarily think of him the same way as you would think like a typical god, but I think he definitely counts. And I know he's referred to as a god like a number of times besides being part of the new gods. But uh, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say because of the new gods, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But also like Darkseid's such a cool character. He's such a good villain, not just for Superman, but there's a number of like really good Justice League story arcs where he's the main villain. Like, he's just that powerful. And I think when it comes to representing someone with a godlike level of power, one of my favorite things they do with Darkseid is in comics when he... You see Darkseid and his that sort of iconic stance where he's got his two arms kind of folded behind his back. Yeah. And he's just kind of, like, floating around, like, levitating around in midair while his... um. I can't remember. What do they call his vision? His like laser vision that can his, uh, uh, his omega beams. Omega beams. There you go. Thank, thank you. Uh, yeah, his omega beams just going all over the place because he's got that like omega beam laser vision, but it can turn corners and stuff. So he's just like destroying like whole cities and stuff while he's and just he doesn't, and he doesn't standing have to, there. He just stands there and just like kills everything. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that visual is so powerful and it's so 
it's such a cool representation of a character that 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 is that powerful. So, I mean, Darkseid is awesome. Um, I don't really know what to say. I mean, if you're not familiar with this character, I feel like the uh, Superman animated series is a great place to start but also just pick up like some superman or justice league comic books and read through them because he's definitely a beast so <laughs> i'm not <laughs> else to say on this one so one watch Zack snyder's justice league because that's a really good oh for sure yeah it's a really good indication who dark side is i will also say that if you don't want to pick up a comic and read um there's some really good dark side comics out there uh justice league uh um rock of ages perfect uh, example of some dark side stuff um uh justice league dark side war um phenomenal in terms of a uh, comic um batman vs superman supergirl fantastic dark oh, side all, yeah. uh, fantastic dark side story um if you don't want to read that one uh batman vs batman superman apocalypse is the animated version of that comic which is great and it has some amazing dark side moments and it has one of my all-time favorite Batman dark side moments where Batman like threatens to destroy um, dark side's planet. And he's just like, you're bluffing. And Batman's like, no. And if you do this, blah, blah, like he kind of throws it in dark side's face. And it's that <laughs> moment where Batman defeats dark side because dark side's like, well, crap. I, he, he, and he, and it's that I'm, I'm impressed mortal because the Kryptonian doesn't have the guts to do that kind of thing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's one of my favorite Batman moments too. Uh, that one's really good. Um, but yeah, dark side, I don't want to go too far because we've talked about the character before, but just, those are some examples if you really want some good dark side moments. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, my next one for the night is the movie Troy. Um, Oh, cool. The movie's awesome. I mean, it deals with the Trojan horse and all that's, and that whole story, but it also deals with Achilles, um, played by Brad Pitt, um, Brad Pitt in the movie. I don't know. I don't know. It's not a casting thing. I don't know if Brad Pitt was the right actor to choose uh, for that role, but it was a real, I, I did think he did a really nice job, but the movie as a whole, seeing Achilles for what he was and the whole story behind him um, and uh, the whole battle of Troy and Helen of Troy, like that whole story, it was great. It was a really representation of what was going on um, in the myth. Um, so yeah, the movie Troy. Um, have you seen that? The, the, the battles are also epic too, so. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's been a bit since I've seen this one, but uh, I know the uh, some of the action scene cinematography is just really, really epic the way that they shoot some of that stuff. And some of it, I feel like they do. There's some light um, slow motion parts like it's not like Zack Snyder level slow motion, yeah, but not, I do know like, there's some not like 300 <laughs> slow motion. Yeah, but there is still some slow motion shots that are really cool as well. Uh, this movie always cracks me up because I think this is the one where there's there's one famous scene where there's like the camera angle is looking up at uh, Brad, Fitt, Brad Pitt's face in one scene. And up in the sky, there's a plane flying by. <laughs> oh. I've seen that clip online a lot. But no, overall, this is a great movie. And uh, yeah, this would be a fun one to revisit as well. So, yeah. Um, all right, man, what do you got for your next one? Uh, yeah, so let's see. I guess I'll go with, um, I went with Gozer from uh, Gozer. Ghostbusters movies. Yeah, and this is one that, uh, I don't know, I kept going oh, back to. gods. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole list is Cthulhu, <laughs> Trigon, Darkseid, Gozer. <laughs> I've got I've got some non-evil ones coming up, but that, that is actually. You only got three picks left, so. <laughs> 
that is a funny point to make. I didn't realize that. But uh, no, I kept going with Gozer because I do think she's a really iconic and just really memorable villain. But I kept thinking about Ghostbusters Afterlife and how they had Olivia Wilde uh, portray Gozer and how I, I just kept thinking about how Gozer like when you see her in the original uh, Ghostbusters movie, it seems like such an 80s character design. But then you see Afterlife and you're like, oh, no, they this actually works really well yeah. um, as a modern yeah, yeah. character design, too. And like, I think they did some really cool stuff with uh, the costuming and that in uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Like, I think they used a different sort of um material for the suit and it kind of i want to say it almost like looked like it lit up a little bit like i don't know if they had like fiber optics below the uh the material of the suit or something but they really kind of punched up the aesthetics of that uh character's sure. appearance in that movie too which i thought worked really well but overall this is just a pretty epic just uh evil god character but it's also one that is super memorable even though we've only seen her twice really so uh yeah yeah no go here it's such a cool pick and i wasn't thinking like evil gods at all and then, <laughs> right and then when you when you brought up dungeons and dragons i'm thinking to myself oh man there's the prime deities and then there's the betrayer gods and then there's the lesser idols and then there's like you know what i mean and like yeah yeah, so my I just feel like my, I feel like I tackled your pick so wrong. Anyway, no, uh, I mean it's it's not wrong. It's just kind of uh, it's it's an interesting it's interesting that you did more movies than just like all pop culture stuff. So that's what I think yeah, is funny. I but. thought you were trying to focus on the TV and film aspect. So I'm like, okay, gods represented in TV and film. Like my Google <laughs> was really interesting. Um, just to remind myself of stuff. Um. <laughs> The uh, okay, so my next one, another movie, the movie as a whole, I'm referring to the Clash of Titans. Cool. Not the new one. <laughs> I'm specifically talking about the old school stop motion awesomeness that it was. Yeah. Um. That look. Here's the thing. I know that there's a lot of young people out there that are gonna go what movie? And I'm going to say Clash of Titans and they're going to go look it up and they're going to go, what a piece of garbage. <laughs> because they're not used to that level of special effects. But at the yeah. time that movie that came out, those stop motion graphics and stuff, that was cutting edge. And I think it still holds up. Um, there are some stuff where like, wow, that's cheesy and you can see the, basically you can see the red tape. But I'm telling you, I think it holds up. I think it's really cool. I think it's a really great representation when you're dealing with Perseus and uh, Zeus and your Pegasus and, you know, the Kraken. And like it's I think it's really cool. Um, I kind of want to lump it in in the same pick with Jason of Argonauts as well. Like I feel yeah. like the movies kind of sat together um, because I think I like Jason of the Argonauts better. But I feel like there were more God type characters in Clash of Titans. That's why that's making my list over the other one. But um the newer oh, so one, the newer one, my biggest problem was, is that the CG kind of like ruined it for me in a way. When I was watching yeah. the newer Clash of Titans, I'm like, yeah, I'm not into this at all. You know, it was weird. I was like, can we just do the stop motion awesomeness that the other one was, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, the new one, I feel like, like, yeah, the Kraken was like really badass, But the, by the time you get to that point of the movie, you're kind of on CGI fatigue. 
And it's almost yeah, like if like they I had... was when I kind of like when I was when I watched Thor: Love and Thunder. The movie, <laughs> right. just, the movie left me pretty Thor, you know. And <laughs> just <laughs> did you just make that up right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, no, yeah, that's that's the thing is just like in the newer Clash of the Titans, they could have had some more practical effects before you get to the Kraken and that would have been, that would have made it feel a little bit more epic. But, um, so you're going with the, this is another full movie pick this where you're just full, going, this is a full movie pick. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Cause I was thinking of this movie and like, I didn't know, I didn't think the Kraken from this movie would count, but I was thinking a little bit of like Medusa. Cause like, well, she's another really cool character in there. She and, is. and the way they do Medusa is really cool in the movie. Like the way they do this, like it's all, like I said, it's stop motion mechanics and it's that kind of stuff, but it's, it's kind of a terrifying scene and it's really cool how it's set up and like the special effects in it I, for the time were great. And you know, like, yeah, so, like there's a lot, this is the movie with a lot of gods in it and, I, I, it's just a representation of it and stuff. So, yeah. And it's funny that you bring up uh, Jason of the Argonaut or Jason and the Argonauts because uh, both movies, um, I'm pretty sure Ray Harryhausen did the special effects for, and he's kind sure. of this like old school stop motion legend. And I think, I think you're right where a lot of kids would watch these movies nowadays and kind of feel underwhelmed, but it's one of those things where it's like, you want to make somebody try to make stop motion anything, <laughs> you know, like try to make a stop motion animation and see how long it takes and then watch these movies because you're going to see yeah. the incredible level of craft w that went into them. So, yeah, yeah. All right. What's your next one for the night? So my next one, um, I actually went with Kanshu from uh, the Moon Knight TV show. Um, and I just think I thought this was a really fun character. I think I don't know. This is I didn't know like a ton about Moon Knight before the show. Um, like I've mentioned, I've read like one or two Moon Knight arcs. But most of the time in, in comics, I would just run across him when he makes an appearance and like somebody else's story. And uh, I thought like it was just kind of cool to get to know uh, Kanshu in this show. And I think his his visuals were really, really cool. And I liked how before um, before uh, Steven uh, knew what was going on, like he kind of was played up for uh, the scares a little bit. I thought some of those sequences were really fun, like the whole like storage unit sequence was like pretty awesome in the uh, first or second episode, whenever that was. But uh, yeah. no, this is this is a character. I think it felt really epic and scary but also really funny and weirdly relatable so i think they just did a good job with uh with this god character in yeah, that show. They, did, they did do a weird balance of scary and funny and making you relate to the deity um, <laughs> yeah really i really like and i agree there's some really cool scare moments with it which are awesome i really really like the um uh design of content yeah. like and that's probably derived from artwork and stuff. I know that, but the physical way he looked on screen was gorgeous. I, I really liked it and I bought it the whole time and it held up the whole time. And, um, um, I don't know if I think, I think the design kind of fell apart on me a little bit when he became like, uh, Kaiju big, but, uh, <laughs> ultimately I really, I could see that. I, I really liked the design aesthetic of him and how he, you know, just moved around like the physical, the physicality of the character, how he moved on screen. Yeah. Really cool well, stuff. 
Well, I think it's that giant, like, bird-like skull doesn't feel yeah. that maneuverable in a fight scene. But um, <laughs> sure. when, it's, when it's more of, like, a quieter moment, I think it does have a pretty epic uh, presence on screen. So, um, yeah, all right. Um, well, my next one for the night is Pan from Pan's Labyrinth. Nice. This made uh, my short list. I almost picked it, to okay. be honest. Um, this first off, Pan's Labyrinth is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. And everyone should, like, stop everything they're doing and go watch Pan's Labyrinth. But um, I love the design of Pan in this movie. This is that del Toro artistic, like, look to it where he's got this, like, he's got a scary look to him. So it's got that horror movie element, if you think, to it. But it's got this, like, comforting... I want to follow him kind of look, you know, and like, he's there to protect me, but he's like terrifying at the same time. Yeah. Like, you know, like there's this, we, there's this comfort to it. Um, and I pan the way like they depicted him and everything and the whole story that that movie followed. It just, it's awesome. Um, yeah. so that's why I picked that one, but yeah, I think, um, just, incredible makeup effect makeup effects on this character and i think i think they really did have like they give him a real like otherworldly presence um which is awesome like he when you see that character in the movie he feels like something ancient and something like uh foreign almost and i think that's like a really cool it's really cool how they really captured that. Um, so no, I think this is a great pick. Like I said, I almost uh, picked this one. Um, but it, it's also like one where I feel like they don't give, like you get just a taste of this character almost in a movie. And like, it's I like, I was kind of like, is this considered a God or not? But I guess it is like based off the, you know, the pan who is like a Greek God. Correct. So yeah, it, it, it yeah. totally counts, but it's, yeah, this one's just a really interesting pick. And I feel like I could ramble on about this one forever to be honest. So yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Well, what's your next pick then? Yeah. So my next one, um, I actually went with, uh, Thor, um, another Marvel pick. Um, and this one, Hey, a good one, a good character. <laughs> right on. I feel like, I don't know, is Kanchu a neutral character? Is he Kanchu's, more on the side of kind of neutral, but I feel he's a little on the evil side of things. Maybe, like, maybe, maybe chaotic good? I don't I was know. Just gonna, yeah, like chaotic good, maybe more of chaotic neutral, I think. Or la good. lawful, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> lawful evil, if you will. Um, okay, so anyways. Yeah, anyway, as we, dis as we discuss everyone's alignment tonight. So I remember um, first getting into uh, kind of Marvel comics and a lot of their their characters. And uh, I, I never really liked Thor back in the day because I always felt like, well, I want to read about superheroes. I don't want to read about, uh, you know, mythology and gods and stuff. And it actually wasn't until the uh, MCU movies where I actually felt I kind of fell more in love with the character. And like, I think. Thor is a really fun character, and um, this is kind of an unpopular opinion, but I actually am a pretty big fan of the first two Thor films. Like, I kind of like those films because I like I kind of like him being a little bit more serious. And I do enjoy the combination of, um, I guess, like fantasy and superhero aspects. Like, I really like that balance. Um, so I think that's kind of 
I don't know. And it comes into Thor in those movies and kind of the, yeah, the balance between fantasy and, um, and comic book stuff and how that fits into the world building of Thor when it comes to Asgard and when it comes to um, Jotunheim and the frost giants and just a lot of the world building in Thor, I think is just really cool as well. So um, I don't know if I have too much to say. I feel like, we probably talked about Thor, not just this episode, but on the podcast, like enough. But uh, Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts well, on this one. I will say that the MCU did turn my mind on Thor and make me really like the character better than I did reading the comics. Yeah. In uh, the ultimate, the ultimate version of Thor. And I say that because there's a in Marvel Comics there's a thing called the ultimate comics, like ultimate Spider-Man, ultimate Fantastic Four, ultimate X-Men, so on. Um, the ultimate version of Thor, I really, really enjoyed a lot. Um, uh, he, like, I really enjoyed how he was written, and it made me want more Thor as I was reading through that. Um, my problem with Thor in the normal comic books, honestly, is dialogue. Um, because they always write him using the old school yeah. dialogue. <laughs> and sometimes that's hard to read through, because you're like, what did he say? And you got, you know, so... Um, that's, that's that's honestly that's honestly like some of my complaints about Thor is just they write him because he's using all this old school words. <laughs> and that's I feel like the only movie they really played that up in was the first Thor I film and where I shouldn't complain about that because I'm really into writing, but it's hard to follow sometimes when you're reading a comic book and comic books should move fast and you gotta stop and take your time yeah. with dialogue. You know, so no, I absolutely agree with that. And that's like that first Thor movie. Like, I feel like they did play that up a little bit where he just they really focused on the culture shock for a big chunk of that movie of Thor being on Earth and not really knowing what was going on and stuff. And like, I kind of got a kick out of that. But I do understand what you mean, like reading the comics. It, it, it does go like a little too... I mean, this is not the correct term, but a little too like old Englishy uh, at some moments. So I definitely understand what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, all right. So my last pick of the night. So this is kind of a big explanation. OK. Um, and I'm going. And so this is this is kind of a cheat, but not really at the same time. So my pick is Stargate. As, OK. As a franchise. So we're about to talk about seed theory here a little bit. Um, when you watch Stargate, it's basically space exploration, right? Like a Star Trek or something. Yeah. Uh, but when you get into Stargate, you find out that many of the alien characters they encounter when they refer to the gods, you find out that this, the main alien group, the Gould, predicated their entire life off of what we know as the Book of the Dead or the Egyptian Bible. And they're following Egyptology to the letter. So the question is, did we create the Egyptian gods based on our knowledge of these aliens that were playing, that were, that was their society and culture? Or did they mask their appearance to mimic our gods, the Egyptian gods, and then go from there? So you have every god is representative from Hathor to Apophis to Anubis to um, Horus and all that stuff. Like they're all represented within this alien culture. And then all the cultural aspects are represented on Earth, like the influence. You see the influence from the space to the ground. Mm -hmm. And then you move into the other cultures. So like as they do more exploring and they run into more other the other gods, you still get your Zeus's and your Perseus and your Hercules and so on and so on, which are all represented. And it 
when you look at the cultural difference, Stargate covers a lot of it because this alien race that was trying to take over the universe and get followers were either were either a mimicking the gods that we already had or b they influenced and we were looking at them as the gods. Do you know what I mean? Like we were looking yeah. at the aliens as the gods themselves. So it's really, really cool to see that just in that cultural shift and how we praised gods where in this situation could have been a false, false deities because they really were aliens and not the gods that we believed them to be. Um, and then the cultural influence that went both ways, if you if you think about it. So because there's that point in like the very first episode of the television series Stargate SG-1 when Dr. Jackson makes the realization, he's like, it's the Book of the Dead. And uh, Captain Carter is like, what do you mean the Book of the Dead? And he goes, they're, the Book of the Dead, Egyptology, they're living it. Um, mm. Because he realized the connection. He's like, they're literally living the Book of the Dead. And then your brain goes, oh, wait, hold on. What's going on? And then as you follow it, you see that these aliens came to Earth and tried to enslave everybody. And the way to do that was they said that they were the gods. So the question is, is did when they were like Egyptology, was it formed based on these aliens and the influence they gave them? Or did the aliens look at the gods that they were already praying to and said, well, we're going to make ourselves this. And then they can't argue because we look like the gods they're already worshiping. And you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, just that's why it's kind of a cheat, but it covers so much information because, yes, Stargate is a science fiction show. But when they give you lore in that show about a lot of the myths and deities and stuff like that that are covered, it's all factual. Yeah. You know? So. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of um, different, like, historical and, like, conspiracy theory concepts yeah. and stuff, which is really cool. Um, I didn't think about Stargate at all for this list, but I think it is definitely a good thing to think about, and this is a great pick. And honestly, like... I haven't watched the Stargate shows. I've watched the original movie, which was awesome. And I know they did touch on these concepts in the movie, but I didn't know they explored them further in the shows. So that just sounds pretty epic as well. So nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. What is your final pick of the night? Yes. So my final one, uh, I feel like it's kind of funny, but I actually went with uh, Ryuk from Death Note, which uh, Drew, we talked about this last week and I didn't realize I you had watched Death that. Note. How do I but... spell this? I think it's R-Y-U-K, uh, Ryuk, <laughs> but um, yeah, this is a character who, first of all, if you haven't watched the anime Death Note, like, it's really awesome, it's really smart, and uh, I think, like, everybody should watch it, it's a really fun, intricate, kind of crime-based cat and mouse game with, like, a really fun fantastical edge to it but Ryuk is a shinigami he is a death god he is a character who kind of uh decides who lives and dies and uh in this in this series each death god has a death note which is the, this notebook that they write in to uh make characters on earth or the real world however you want to phrase it make those characters pass away and um it's kind of funny because in the very first episode, Ryuk is really bored with his existence as a death death god, and he sends his uh, his notebook down to Earth. And it's just kind of one of these things where I'm going to let my death note go down to Earth and then see who finds it and see who see what they do with it, because I'm really bored. 
Right. And I just like, he's a really funny character and he looks, he looks really frightening. He looks, he has a really cool, frightening aesthetic, but it's his like apathy, but also like his, I don't know, his delivery of lines in the actual anime series is hilarious. And uh, when it comes to the live action Netflix movie, they had uh, Willem Dafoe uh, do the voice acting for for Ryuk. Oh, nice. And he was. Um, Sorry, I just yawned, but oh, nice. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he was he did like a really cool portrayal and he was definitely like he definitely caught that uh, fear factor of the character. But I kind of don't think he was as funny or amusing or kind of relatable in the movie as he was in the actual anime series. So this one's just kind of funny and it's kind of funny because Ryuk is such a scary looking character and he is a death God, but he's also a character that when I see, like if I see somebody cosplaying him or if I see him represented on a random like sticker on the back of somebody's car or something. I always get a smile on, on my face. Like he's an oddly like lovable character as well. So yeah, I, I don't know. I've never seen a sticker, a death note sticker on the back of someone's car. Really? Now, now I want to, um, <laughs> I feel like it's not often, but I feel like every one, like a couple of times a year, I feel like I'll see somebody have like a bunch of anime stickers and then I'll be like, Oh, there's Ryuk right there. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, good call on Ryuk, and he's a, honestly, I kind of forgot about him when I was putting my list together. No, like, you're right, the, like, his, the way his line delivery and some of the things he says are fantastic. Yeah. Um, I really like some of, there's some early stuff in the show when your brain's starting to, when you're starting to kind of figure out what this, like, story is. Yeah. Like when the kid is, the main character is, like, testing out the book, and, like, he's watching the news, and he's yeah. like, all right, and he writes the name down in the book. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's really kind of clever because you know we would all do that. Like, if Absolutely. we had access to that, like, does this really work? And then you write down a name, and you're just like, well, I guess so. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, like, playing with the idea of the coincidence, if you will. Like, there's no there's no way I wrote that down and that really happened. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, good call. Um, that does bring us to the end of this list. Um, so, yeah, before... Uh, in all seriousness, everybody, overall, I really did enjoy the movie Thor Love and Thunder. Um, but the more I sit with it, the more underwhelmed I am. And Marvel, please get to the point of season of phase four quickly. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, the end of Miss Marvel was very surprising. So um, we'll talk about that, Peter, when you get a chance to watch it. Um, but would you like to know what we're going to do next week? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. This one I've been sitting, I've been thinking about for a while, and then I saw an article this week that made me go, ooh, that's a good call, let's do this list. Every now and then, a movie comes out, which is supposed to be a monster hit, and the internet shits on it. So, what I want to talk about next week are five movies that you think need to be revisited. Ooh, Okay. So five five movies that we we need to revisit because people like either the movie got shit on and the movie didn't get the uh, notoriety it deserves or it's a movie people passed over or they watched it because like we've all been to a party where like someone's like that that movie sucks. And I'll tell you this. I watch almost every movie I watch. I watch twice because I watch the movie. And then I got to watch it a second time to actually watch the movie. Cause you, some movies like, like 
t- like Top Gun, you can't blink for two hours. <laughs> you know, so um, like I always watch movies a couple times because I like to study them. And that's just because I like movies. But I like to study the movie, whether it's I'm looking real closely at the story or real closely at special effects or the acting or whatever. I really enjoy it. Like how many times do you watch Friends and you think to yourself, you know the scene's coming, but this time you're watching it and you're really paying attention to the facial features of the characters when they react to lines and stuff. That's kind of what I'm talking about. What movies do we think need to be revisited because someone shit on them at some point and the internet turned a blind eye to it? Yeah. <laughs> right on. So. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting, uh, really interesting. So we list, should, so. you and I should be all over the board with this, but. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Anyway. Um, so are you ready to toss this episode in the can? Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> cool. Um, all right, everyone, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with our email, top5report at gmail.com. Um, you can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. By the way, I'm horrible at the social media and keeping up with it. I got to get better, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places, and if you do, you will not miss a single episode. Uh, you can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be talking about how if you liked Thor Love and Thunder, you're going to love Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, you're probably going to. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I think we should all watch Winnie the Pooh uh, Blood and Honey. Um, Anyway, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 